Is it possible to design your life the way you want? Welcome to the No Boring Stories podcast. You know that you can use storytelling to captivate your audience, clarify your message, and grow your business and impact like never before. That's why I'm here. Each episode bringing you transformative stories, expert storytellers, and my signature storytelling tools, all to help you tell a better story. Because there's no such thing as boring stories just boring storytellers. I'm your host, Alex Street, and for six years now, I have designed and edited my own website. I'll let you decide if that's something I should be proud of. On today's show, we have Amanda Worthington, and Amanda is a user experience design and career coach for user experience designers. She is helping user experience designers decide that they can choose their own path. They can design their own career path instead of waiting for the opportunities to come and, you know, the path to form for them. We go into this conversation all about her experience, how she got into this through engineering, into user experience design specifically, through traveling the world, toxic relationship, and even dipping her toe into stand-up comedy. We have a lot of fun together and you're going to get a lot out of this and be challenged to decide your own path and design your own life today. If something stands out in this episode, please share this on social media so that others can experience the same transformation. Don't forget to rate and review on your favorite podcast player and know this, that I know you could be anywhere in the world right now, but you're choosing to engage with these not boring stories. And for that, I am forever grateful. Let's get into the conversation with Amanda Worthington. Welcome back to the No Boring Stories podcast. I, of course, am Alex Street, your host, and this is the place where there are no boring stories. And I know we're going to have a wildly fun conversation today with Amanda Worthington. Amanda, is here. She is smiling. She is ready. She's energetic. She's confident. Amanda, how are you doing? Great. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Alex. Oh, it is such a pleasure to have you on here. We've always had fun conversations and um, as we've just been getting to know each other really and, and be on this journey of entrepreneurship and all the things that go with that together um, and so far away. Yet, we connect on this, on the value of storytelling and why yes. it's so important in whatever business you're in, whatever whatever category you may put yourself in, wherever you are, the power of storytelling is so big. And you said that your favorite storytellers are comedians. And yes. I so get it, but I want to hear why and who specifically stands out top of mind for you. Ooh. Who specifically? Well, let's um, start with why. What what what, why? what is it about comedians, stand-up comedians that that really set them apart as key storytellers? Well, because they're telling a story through the bits and through their whole set. And mm-hmm. it has to tie together in some way. It typically yeah. does throughout the whole set. Yeah. And and all with that driving purpose of being funny (laughs) and making people laugh. And there's such pressure that comes with that too, of wanting a specific outcome, especially an emotional outcome. And, and they do it in such a concise way that I think is so impressive Mm -hmm. of, it has to be as tight as possible, typically, um, to get that point across and get that end result. 
what is it like a tight 10 they they talk about like if yes. you're a comedian you can go up with like a tight 10 a tight seven like you've just you go up you make them laugh you get out and if you can do that well then like you've got chops like you've got you've got what it takes exactly right? have exactly. you done any comment have you done stand-up I have uh, pre-pandemic. <laughs> I I did a a stand-up comedy class, and we had a tight five at the end, and got to perform in front of two hundred people at wow. a local comedy club here in Atlanta. Yeah. And did you make him laugh? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and I got what some was, awesome pictures out of it. <laughs> what was the end? Okay, so you take five minutes. Oh man, this is going to put you on the spot. See how much you remember, but, but you get those five minutes, you take them through all these little jokes and these, these, you know, Hey, what's up? And here's what I'm thinking. What's the deal with? And, and here's my story. <laughs> and then what was your, and cause this is what I love about comedians. They always end where you don't expect it to end. It's like this in the middle of a joke, they're setting up something, they get the laugh. And before the laugh has a chance to die out, they peace out. I say, all right, I'm yep. out. What was that? It doesn't have, you don't have to tell me the context for it or anything. What was your, I'm out joke? <laughs> do you remember? <laughs> yes, of course I do. <laughs> okay. So my fiance, um, you know how you can have a Siri call you anything you want oh, on yeah. your iPhone. Mm -hmm. And so my fiance had set up his to call him something. And I, I didn't reveal what it was until the end. And we're standing in line at the grocery store and we're talking about something else that was related to the set earlier mm -hmm. in line. And he's like, Oh shoot, let me, let me just ask Siri that question. And he asks her and as we're standing in line, it goes, Hey, big daddy boner <laughs> and, and tells him what he had asked. Because that's what he had Siri call him. And then I peaced out. That was, that was the mic drop. Everybody's going to be like, I don't know who she was, but she, what was her name? Big Daddy Bone. Was that her name? Yep. No, no, that wasn't. <laughs> that's brilliant. I love that. And it brings the roof down, brings the house yep. down. And it's, it's something that in the first set, in the first yeah. bit of the set, I set up like right. the scene for that and then let it die. Like who, who knew, who knows what happened yeah, to yeah, yeah. Will's iPhone. And then by the end, that was my last bit that tied everything together and uh, allowed me see, to See, that's it. And this is why drop. I love it because you have that experience mm -hmm. and the way that you used that is it's. Yeah, you set that up and then you come back to it. And that is, I mean, John Mulaney does this mm -hmm. so well. <laughs> He's got this bit where he, well, we could just probably nerd out on this for an hour here, but we won't do this just for those listening. But he's got this bit where he talks about the, where, when he met, um, he met Bill Clinton and he was in the same room where they filmed the scene from The Fugitive. And he telling the story about bill clinton he keeps going back to explain the scene in the fugitive and it's this back and forth that's all that's just actually like enhancing the whole story as we, all that we want to know is what happened between him and bill clinton but he's like teasing this tension all the way along and bringing in other things that we know that we can reference that we can draw because ultimately it's a boring story but he somehow makes that 
so entertaining that we're in till yeah. the end and then he drops the line and and he's out that's so it's so much talent and planning i think that's the other thing like before i kind of thought you could people just went up and did stand up sure. but there's so much planning there's so much testing and it is figuring out how to make that story arc and yeah. where and timing i mean timing and comedy is it's a whole other beast like you learn sometimes if you pause long enough after a joke and somebody laughs yeah and then and then the laugh happens yeah but you have to wait and it feels like eternity <laughs> mm. Mm. this is where I, I conan has always been the mask conan o'brien's always been the master mm -hmm. of that sort of like let the awkwardness sit and it's, I yes. mean, in late night. So he does that with a guest also, but in his, like all of that was just like, this is awkward. Let's just sit in that awkward for a minute and see what happens. He said something recently about finding this, this beautiful point between stupid and smart. That's been his, like, that's been his mission in life. And I just respect that so much because I, I think really that's like it. That. When you've got that stupid and that smart that come together, you're right. People are going to be like, that joke was stupid. Oh wait, maybe it was really smart. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And then they start. Yes. Oh my goodness. Talk about timing. My mom taught me timing, I think, more than anybody. My mom was an actress for her whole life. And then that's where I absorbed that from. And I remember I was on stage with her and there was this one in this in this show. And there was this one scene where I bust out. And I'm wearing this army uniform. I'm like this nerdy weatherman kid who like whatever. And I end up by getting this uniform and I bust out and wearing this army uniform and it freaks everybody out on stage. And it's the biggest laugh of the show and out of context <laughs> means nothing, but it was the biggest laugh of the show. And I remember my mom saying to me after like the first night, because the laugh was coming and then it was, and then it built and then we sort of do something else. And then the laugh builds again. And then you get the stragglers who are now, who are now finally laughing and then i have the power to like say the next line and i remember it was after the first night she's like you started speaking at the exact moment you should have and nobody can teach you that i was like oh okay i didn't know <laughs> it is it's this the timing is so probably underappreciated but um yeah. anybody Anybody who knows. Because you don't want to talk over people's laughs. <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't want to end end the joy. Mm -hmm. But then actually you kind of have to. You kind of have to, to to keep the momentum going if that's it. Um, again, I'm telling you, I haven't done stand-up, but I've done enough speaking opportunities to, to try to create that sense and try to create that laughter, that joy. And it's funny because I really, I, I feel like we're going to get into your story soon. I, we will do this. Don't worry. And I'm seeing how it's all linking already. But um, I love just sharing these examples because I, I, I find myself as not being somebody who necessarily gets the laugh out loud. I think that's the fear of stand up for me. Mm. I can have people smiling and chuckling, maybe get a really odd, big audible laugh, like in a talk. But I'm I'm much more of that. I'm just going to have you feel good. <laughs> Do you know? Right. Yeah. But you're right. The pressure of like this joke's going to make you laugh. 
and the expectation of the audience in that. So how do you deal with that? How do you create that experience where they are going to laugh? Or how do you think that stand that comedians do that where you're controlling their experience? I think part of it is it's like an agreement of I've agreed to go to this stand up comedy sure thing. And so I'm expecting to laugh. And so I want you to make me laugh. Uh huh. So I'm a little bit, and you know, there's hecklers and all of that. That's a little different, but um, there's this, this expectation around it. And I think yeah. appreciating that and leaning into that too, mm. of they want to laugh. <laughs> and yeah. so just, And part of the trick is taking the pressure off of yourself of making it conversational and bringing the audience into the story that you're trying to tell Yeah, yeah, instead of, you know, having the pressure of your type five and wanting to run through it as quickly as possible or make sure you get all the content and information out there is really not that important. (laughs) Yeah, It's, It's about the experience and about slowing down and being able to bring people along in that. Okay. This is where it's so beautiful. (laughs) Now, everybody listening, have all of that in your head. What Amanda just said about creating the experience and having it and forming it for them. Now tell us what you do. What is the main work that you're bringing to the world now, Amanda? What is, what is the thing that you're doing for us? I am a user experience and web designer. Gosh, I I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I design experiences online and digitally. Um, Okay. And and so somebody goes to a website, that's user experience. How they scroll through it, what they click on, what they look for, where they're looking. And you're you're what? You're crafting somebody's site or somebody's app to make sure that it's what has easy for us as simple as fun. Yes. What, what is it? That it's easy, intuitive that, you know, if you're, this happened to me so many times where I would be on my phone in my bed looking for a place to go to brunch and I couldn't find the menu on a, yep. on a brunch restaurant's website. That's yep. bad user experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that's like the one thing that I want to find. And if I can't find it, that's frustrating. Yeah. And so reducing or the goal is eliminating those friction points between somebody visiting your website or using your app um, to be able to do the thing that they're trying to do. Yeah. Which, and this is where it's just so magical for me that this is where the conversation has gone because you're like, yeah, people show up to a comedy club. They want to laugh. So give them what they want. Make it as easy Mm -hmm. to laugh as it could possibly be. And so the way I'm going to do that is not focus on me, but focus on them and focus on what I think that how, how they can be involved in this. Like this is where it's just so magical that I look at who you are and how you see story is the same way and how you see performance is the same way that you see the work that you do now, which to me says that there's a much deeper why back here somewhere about how you see this whole world work. And that's what I'm excited to dig up here. What do you think about all that? <laughs> Can I learn today <laughs> all about what I think? <laughs> we are, but this is this is where it's you know the thing you talk about is is the thing that you believe I think, and and mm-hmm. so there I could talk to somebody else 
about comedians and we're not going to talk about the experience and the the nitty gritty of the timing and what it takes to set up a joke the way that you did from the beginning to the end. Yeah, it's just five, it's just five minutes, but the meticulous planning that's involved in that is something you see that few people see. Yeah. And that needs to be respected and I think acknowledged. And and while some people are like, yeah, I don't like Ricky Gervais and couldn't tell you why, you could probably be like, yeah, well, actually, he's he's a friggin' genius and here's why. Here Here's right. what he brings to the craft. Now, you might not like his style, but here's what he brings to the craft and here's how he creates an experience with the audience or Hannah Gadsby, my goodness. Like you talk about somebody who creates an entire moment, an entire series and takes you through this journey. Bo Burnham, one of the most masterful audience manipulators I've ever seen in my life (laughs) (laughs) by creating that experience. So as we look at all of that, let's get into you and why you do see it this way. Cause that's what I think. If you're, you're a user experience, um, designer and now actually helping other people do the same thing career coaching for other ux designers and creating um impact in that way yeah where does that begin for you where did you first begin to see a design experience engineering i don't know what is that what is that experience what's the impact let's go there what's the impact that you hope to see when somebody works with you or Ooh. when you design something? How does that change people? I think when people work with me, it's about, cause I'm trying to, I'm splitting it between websites and the career coaching. Okay. Well, what's more fun for you right now? The career coaching for sure. So let's go there. So then what happens when you help somebody in their career in UX? They they own that journey. They own that story. Mm-hmm. They see they're able to capitalize on their strengths on and really instead of in careers, careers in general, I feel like you get a job description or if you're applying for a job, you see job descriptions mm-hmm. out on the internet and whatever and you're applying for that job. So you're crafting your resume, the stories that you want to tell, all of that to that job description. Mm -hmm. And my goal isn't to reverse that of saying, looking at your story, looking at your strengths, what you love to do, craft your own job description, Mm -hmm. and then see where that overlap is with jobs that are out there. Yeah. Apply to those, but then you're, so you're no longer shaving away the other pieces of you that are really your superpowers and are really the things that aren't on the job description because they don't know <laughs> they don't yeah. know that that's what they need yeah. is you and your superpower and what you're really passionate about and you can still bring that to the table and that helps you stand out so oh, i love that like there's something, <laughs> what you said, but not shaving off those other pieces. And, and like, yeah, so it, it's almost like we're not letting the best of ourselves be seen and for fear that they it won't be received, that that's mm-hmm. not what they want. 
Exactly. They want something different than I authentically have to bring. So I'm going to bring something else and hope that it's good. I often talk, talk about like a potluck. Like imagine going to a potluck and everybody's like, bring your best dish. And you're like, ah, I know that I make a mean apple pie. Like it's grandma's recipe. But if I show up and I bring that, what if, A, what if somebody else has an apple pie? Or what if I bring this, but there's other desserts that are better? And what if what if nobody likes my pie? So instead, I'm going to go and I'm going to buy like a, you know, McCain deep dish pizza or not pizza, whatever dessert and put that on the table and um, and see what happens. So we right. bring something that's like store. We bring something that's packaged. You're like, I think this is what you want rather than this is what I uniquely have to bring. And you're there trying to tell people bring who you are because that's what we need. Yes. And it's again going back to that idea of an agreement of, you know, agreeing to what experience that I expect to have Mm -hmm. when you bring, when you shave off those other pieces of yourself and you get that job and you show up, you're kind of committed to that smaller package store-bought version of yourself. Yeah. And that's what they expect. And so that's what you continue to show up and bring. And eventually you get dissatisfied or, you start showing the other pieces of you, yeah. but you're less confident about it because you don't know how it'll be received or you don't know how to own that, those aspects of yourself. Mm. So where does that begin now? That's the, that's the part, right? That's the, that'll touch your soul kind of, kind of conversation. And so for you, Amanda, where does, where does that journey begin for you where you, began hiding um, your true self or you began maybe you began maybe you never did hide your true self and you're seeing other people do that but where does this idea of of keeping something back begin for you childhood teen years like what's the where does that go probably all all the way man (laughs) (laughs) um i mean i went to school for civil engineering i'm the first born child both my parents are civil engineers so I so was you like, grow up in a house that is <laughs> like we don't just play with blocks we build with blocks legos are <laughs> life alex <laughs> brilliant <laughs> <laughs> not to mention i grew up in chicago so all the architecture and mm-hmm. construction everywhere um and so i went in as a civil engineer, because that's what my parents did. I was good at it. Was that, was that pressure? Like, was there a lot of pressure even through, you know, you through high school, like make sure that you get these grades and these, in these specific subjects, or was it just easy and natural for you? Because that was what it just felt like. This is the way Um, I'd say that there was pressure, not in the specific, I mean, specific courses were probably emphasized in my house, but really it was like, I mean, get A's everywhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> ideally. <laughs> like, right. I mean, we're not going to pick and choose. Just get all the A's. Right. <laughs> so, but were um, you, I mean, were you intentionally like choosing like, okay, well, this is probably the way it's going to go anyways. So I'll just go yeah, down this path. So, it, like it was just chosen from like ninth grade. You're like, I know where I'm going. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Like I was like, I 
I'm going to take AP physics. I'm going to take all the science and math that I can. And if I can take, and even in college, like in, in college, when I was taking electives, I used up a lot of my electives debating between civil and mechanical engineering. Mm. <laughs> like The endless decisions. <laughs> so, yes. Like, oh man, that was a big one for determining my life. Of which, which engineering are you going to pick? But, and, and so, and that felt like a big decision at the time. Right. right. Um, but I didn't take, I, I love drawing. I'm mm-hmm. a great drawer scribbler <laughs> and I didn't take any of those in, in high school or in college. I didn't take any arts really. I just put because, that all on a back burner. Yeah. Is it the separation from like, forget about mechanical and chemical engine or civil engineering. It's, it's arts and science is, was that the, the separate You're Like, no, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go here because it's what I know. Like, what was the fear? What yeah. was the, the, if, if I were to dabble in the thing that I can do that I feel, then what, what would that have uh, It's, it's more subjective. It's putting yourself up for debate in yeah. a way of like, is this good or is this bad in engineering and math and science? That's not a question. Was right. that the right answer? Yeah. How did you, maybe how did you get to that answer? And that counts for something, but yeah. it's not uh, like yeah. rated. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, come to the potluck, right? It's like, it's the fear that, oh, that maybe somebody will have had a, a pie that tastes better than this one. And, and then mm-hmm. what is this one? This thing that I thought was so good all my life, nobody's even like stopping to, to look at. But then this one, strangely, is up in an art gallery, even though they just painted a square on a white canvas. What is that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so there's there's something, I mean, to talk about something being held back, there's this artistic side of you that you're like, I'm doing, like, is that what you're doing in your free time? Like, you know, you go to your teenager and you're like, I hate the world and going up in your room and, and then draw. Yeah. You know, draw your feelings. Yes, I definitely did draw my feelings. Now that and, I think about it, <laughs> and what was was and that was a release? Like, was that a oh good? Now, now it um, makes sense. Now it's out. It wasn't. I wouldn't say I was that creative. It was. It was like a a purge more <laughs> than yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. an artistic beautiful thing. Yeah, I took I took things out on sports probably more, mm. um, in like a competitive way. What was your choice? Was sport of choice? Uh, volleyball and softball. Okay. So, yeah. like, let me hit this ball with my hand or with this bat as hard as I can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or let me just, just run. Like, let me just work out. Let me just put this run effort a lot. In. I yeah. ran a lot and yeah. sprinting and yeah, and just I, I think like being able to focus on something very specific with a specific outcome. Yeah. It's funny we look to that outlet, right? Like we want that outlet mm-hmm. in some way to let those emotions out. And um, just even as you say, you're like, yeah, I drew my feelings. I was talking with my brother the other day and he's like, man, I wish I could, I wish I learned to play guitar because then I could just like write a song when I'm feeling things. I'm like, like he's a screenwriter. Like you write movies. 
when you feel things, you write the story of what you want to happen. What do you mean? He's like, yeah, but to make it, I need a crew. I can't just go into my room and play guitar or play piano and get my feelings out. Like, it's still not easy. Either way, like, you what you just find your outlet, whatever that is. So for him to write out the story, for you to draw it out or to run it out, we look for that outlet of that release. Maybe it's just that clarification of this is what I'm actually experiencing. Yeah. When it's all so confusing. Yeah, and even not thinking about what what it is per se. Like I've I've been exploring that recently too of like maybe it doesn't matter what the name of the emotion is called or like yeah. why it's there, but just processing it. Yeah. Just rec- yeah, it's just an awareness that this is here. Mm-hmm. So as you so you're going through and this there's this really like there's a structured way of life that you can lean into. There's a, there's a, it's a measured, uh, there's a measured result to this. I like this. And so you're leaning into that. You decide I'm going all the way through civil engineering. And is it clear and easy process for you all along the way? Like, what does that lead to? Um, I was good. Like I was a good civil engineer. I was really good at problem solving. And so I loved that aspects of those aspects of it and as you walk but through the then, city then are you like ooh, that should be there like is it really like that sort of thing like the, what if they no. <laughs> okay <laughs> if i had been an architect then maybe which i had debated um going into architecture instead mm-hmm. and and again it was that engineering is more concrete is more yeah, yeah. um all that but i ended up getting into software at the end of college like my first job was software implementation, uh, which had nothing to do with engineering, really. Um, and so it was what, much more So what based. is that? This is what I love in people's stories. They're like, <laughs> yeah, so I did this thing and was going down this path, and it seemed like it was really clear, and then whoops, here I am. I ended up over here. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, my story was I was going to be an actor, and then I'm a left turn, and I'm a youth pastor. What? How did that? Mm-hmm. Hey, you want something for free that's gonna help you with your speaking? Here it is. When I started out speaking, I had no confidence. Eyes locked on my notes or off on a wild tangent, fidgeting and pacing all around the stage. I wasn't getting asked to speak where I wanted to and I felt like I was wasting my time and my audience's time. So, you're booked for a workshop or a keynote and the date is fast approaching or you're hoping to land some speaking gigs as extra income and you don't know where to begin. If you don't get extra help, you'll be embarrassed, you'll waste your time, and you'll lose relational connections. And I'm sure that you can be a more confident speaker and transform your audience. That's why I created the Make Speaking Magical video course. During my 20 years of speaking to crowds, I've learned five main tricks that help me walk on stage with confidence and make sure my message sticks. I've been repeatedly asked back by event organizers, spoken at workshops about these tricks, and coached individuals on putting these techniques into their talks to give them confidence before a nerve-wracking presentation. 
So whether you're speaking on a big stage or on camera or on a podcast or around the dinner table, the Make Speaking Magical video course will give you everything you need to speak with confidence and transform your audience. And right now, I'm giving away two modules of the seven module course for free so that you can learn to connect with your audience and then really put all this into motion to make your speaking magical. Go ahead, get two modules of the course for free right now just by going to my website, alexstreet.ca. You can find it there or find the link on my bio in my Instagram. Hurry though, because this is only going to be available for a limited time. So how does that, how do you end up in software? There weren't any, there weren't many civil engineering design jobs at the time. Okay. Uh, it was all construction and I had worked construction and I really didn't like it. I'm very pale. <laughs> the sun doesn't like me. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, I don't really need that. <laughs> and so there were consulting companies at this career fair and I started talking to them and the way they talked about it sounded really intriguing to me. And it was stuff that I had learned about myself through internships. Like I really like talking to humans. Mm -hmm. I really like those interactions and yeah. being able to talk to people, whether that's training or I just, I love the idea of problem solving on the fly and hearing what people's requirements or problems are and being able to figure out how to fix that mm -hmm. and consult that's consulting yeah in a nutshell and so i did that for 5 years <laughs> um and traveling all over the country going to different utility companies implementing software accounting software <laughs> and training them what okay what's what's the <laughs> Why are you like laughing through this? Like, what is there like embarrassment? Is it like, what is it? What is it about the timing with it all? Is it, you look back, you're like, what was that? Like, um, it's just, it's such a niche thing. Yeah. It's accounting software for utility companies. <laughs> and I have all this weird knowledge about that because yeah. utilities are a regulated industry and like, Tell There's me all these <laughs> rules about it. There's all these rules yeah. and it's a really complex software. And I was coding different aspects of the software itself. I was working in databases day in and day out, um, manipulating data to make things work. And learning this brand new industry was no problem for you. Um, I wouldn't say it was no problem. <laughs> it's a lot of information and it's, a really huge industry, but it was because of my engineering background. Yeah. I had a framework for how to process that information and other people that had been through the process. Yeah. Um, and like I was, I was traveling Monday through Thursday every week for three of those five years. <laughs> Like, and that's crazy to me. <laughs> like, was that, that fun? I was doing that. It was super fun. Right. It was super fun. Like, do you have friends? Or is there like, like, are there, <laughs> were there cities where you'd land to be like, you have, you know, your, your Dallas friends and then you've got your, you've got your LA friends and. 
You know, I wish I had done that. <laughs> um, me now would have. Right. Me now, I would have definitely done that. There were certain cities where I made friends. I made friends with my clients all the time. Mm-hmm. Like my boss would come visit and I would be there by myself a lot. And my client would be like, hey, we're going to take you guys out to dinner tonight. Here's where we're going to go. And they'd leave. And my boss would look at me like, what did you do? Like clients don't take us out. We take clients out. Like they got it backwards. Like, why are they being so nice? And I was like, I don't know. We've been having a good time, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I just gave them my type five. I don't know. I guess they appreciated it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I used to play badminton with my clients out in San Jose. Like, and, and that's when I really realized how much of a people person I am. Mm. And in engineering, that's not typical. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not something you do day in and day out. And so when I realized how much I love working with people and I want to get better at that. And even with the software, it was, I want to make software really for my clients that I work with all the time. I want to make it as easy as possible for them to use the software. Right. And I know what their pain points are because I talk to them every day. So then, so you're like, Matt, maybe that's what I'll just do. Like, what's the shift then? What's the, because, you know, you're going through life and an object in motion will stay in motion until, right? So there's this, you can just keep doing that. Why not travel four days a week? Why not do that? Like, and, and keep leaning into that until something shifts. Well, I was also in a very abusive relationship at the time. And so I think that compounded with me realizing that I didn't want to, I didn't want to be a utility accounting expert. Say what? (laughs) I know. Shocking. And, and it was like a lot of things needed to shift Mm. of, I stopped traveling was kind of the first step of, do I want to stay in Atlanta? Um, if, cause travel, like business travel, especially for me back then was a full time, you're in work mode the whole time. Right. Um, you don't really get to reflect <laughs> and explore other things. You're kind of on all the whole time. Even when you're playing so badminton. Stopped, even when you're playing badminton. <laughs> if I win this and, game, they're not going to take me out for lunch, which means. <laughs> exactly. It's all, it's all a game. There's a bigger game within the game. Ooh. so okay so you're in this you're in this job you're in this role Mm -hmm. and you're also in this toxic relationship Mm -hmm. and what like both of those together were wearing you down what what how did that like what showed up to make you like realize again i need to make a shift i need something i think that the two of those things worked against each other. Like if I was frustrated with something, it was easy to blame it on my job instead of the relationship. Mm -hmm. If I hadn't realized it yet, just, you know, where it was. Yeah. And, and that was a, that was a pattern for a while actually of not recognizing what the root of my problems really was. Mm -hmm. And then once that relationship ended and 
I was still at the job, I could kind of figure I had more clarity or I had more space to be able to work through what my next step was going to be. So how, I mean, I, in the whole story, like I'm just, I'm leaning on, on this moment and this point, but this, you know, as you, as you translate your own story, is this like a hinge moment? Is this an important, is this like a climax? I just, okay. Yes. (laughs) So, so I'm like, I'm leaning in this. You're like, yeah, but five years later, like, wow. Um, Whoa. So like, then, also keep in mind, I had long hair back then. I had like. Totally I, I was different. A totally different person back then. <laughs> so, okay. So you're in these things and this relationship ends and that gives you clarity around your career. What mm-hmm. led to the relationship ending then? What, how does that become an intentional choice? Oh, um, how did that become an intentional choice? It was a series of, it was a series of journeys where like on paper, things seemed really great in my career and in my relationship. And even in my friendships at that time, Mm -hmm. like on paper, it was like, good it was like three-year relationship five-year career getting promoted Mm -hmm. going on like ridiculous vacations like we went to paris and we went to the world cup in brazil and those should have been spectacular yeah spectacular things and when you zoom in on the actual story of it an actual journey that it went through you'd see me crying in the Louvre, me, oh gosh, like Brazil was just a hot mess <laughs> when we went of, it was rainy season. Like anytime we went out, it was downpouring. <laughs> we almost got stranded at the, at the stadium. Like, and it was all these things that happened where it was like, this journey isn't working. Mm. And like, I keep thinking it should have a different ending, but it's not going to. Mm -hmm. And when you tell, you know, when you, when you go on a cool vacation, everyone wants to know how it was. And so I would find myself not being able to tell the real story of it. Yeah. And trying to make it seem like, the amazing vacation or whatever they, whatever whatever you think they want to hear. How was your vacation? Obviously I want to hear it was beautiful. France is the best. They drink wine in the park. It's wild. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Baguettes everywhere. When really you want to say, uh, it was, it brought up a lot of things. I'm standing in this art museum and, and weeping. Yeah. Um, and but you don't want to like hear that. when we came back, it was I moved into a new where I live now, and moving is a whole journey in of a, of itself, and it mm-hmm. was enough to break the whole thing, thankfully. And was that was that you 
stepping forward and saying, I can't do this anymore. Yes. It was, it was me in a moment shouting, get out. <laughs> yeah, that works. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thankfully that worked. So yes. How, how long ago is that now? That is five years ago now. Okay. So you spend most of your life going in this direction that just seems right. It by all means feels right. It's, it's enjoyable. You're good at it and you're going into engineering and also know that there's this part of you that is really in love with art and, and has this connection with it and understands it. And, but like, how do you show up with that? How do you, how do you release that? How, how, what does that look like for you? Cause that's not the path. Am I right? Am I kind of, is that okay? Um, Hmm. You mean, how did I feel in that shift? I guess, so. no, no, no. So I'm, I'm just looking at kind of the who I was, right? So if there's this, this oh, yeah. before that moment, who you were was this person who was always kind of just going, just, just staying the course. I'm going to do this. And even though it's like, and it's, as you say, you're describing these vacations, but it's not, it's not what I really want to say. You're doing something according to what they want, according to what you think they want. And this is kind of the life that you're building. And it's by all means on paper looks great, but man, just, let's just go a little bit deeper and you'll see what's really here. And then you start to reveal what's really there, which are these words, get out. And what happens? Does this, yeah, does this lioness get released? Is this like this, whoa, look at me show up in the world and now I'm having powerful conversations with people. I'm telling people what I thought about them all the time. Like, is that, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it's, yes, I know what you mean. Um, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, I came out of that evaluating, being clear on what I wanted. Hmm on what what my boundaries were of this is what I want also this is who I am this is what I'm passionate about yeah. this is um and I think letting myself shine in a way that I wasn't before hmm. of being being like the friendly, <laughs> like I'm uh, the friendly, nice. Like I love laughing. I love having fun yeah. and letting, letting myself do that and be that way. Yeah. Because you weren't doing that before. Not, I mean, you can speak no. generally, right? It's your own, like, yeah. you can be like, no, it's not that I never laughed, but in general, you didn't feel the way that you feel now. Right. With this freedom to laugh, to be joyful. Right. It was, it, I, I was always on edge. I was always um, like walking on eggshells mm -hmm. and, and doing that and evaluating how, like what other people were thinking or how other people were, were perceiving the situation or how yeah. I was. And after that, I kind of stopped caring yeah. and it was more important what I wanted to do mm -hmm. and how I was going to show up. And I think realizing 
when I was saying yes to things and I meant it, like I was showing up in the places that I was supposed to be in. Mm. So now the intentional choice is you're saying yes because you want to be there, not because they want you to be there. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that this is such a relatable story. This is, there's, I mean, there's the, the unique aspect to this is your journey, which is really based in the how this all happened and how this all shows up and your, you know, civil engineering and, and a toxic relationship. And here you are doing user experience stuff. And it's all beautifully related in this. I understand how things work. I understand how people, like you see what people want. That's why you were so good at it at, giving people what they wanted. You saw what they want, and now it's seeing what people want, but just actually choosing to bring also this sense of self to that and making sure that that's more important, but doing it in a way that people receive it well. Right. So there's right. this unique journey that you have that is all of that, but the, the, the really connecting piece and transformation that I see here is from, yeah, it's it's – almost like a lack of, of sense of self. Mm -hmm. um, it's and for them. It, it's, it's also not having a framework for figuring that out. Yeah. Of like, how do you figure that out of who you are and mm -hmm. what's important to you? And yeah. especially when I was at the point of what career is going to be my next career. Yeah. I had to figure out, well, what, what am I gravitating towards right now? Yeah. And then how do I test that in the smallest way and see and see and, that that's and the right path? It's, and I think what you're saying is not just, yeah, how do you figure that out? Because how do you find the right next thing or that that's because that's just looking at how am I going to show up in this world? How am I going to help? How am I going to contribute to this world? But the help that I think we need is the why help it's at 21 22 whatever who's who's having those conversations with you to see what is it like what do you really believe about this world what do you believe about yourself and your place in this world and 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 how this world works and if we can form that with these this need was it frederick beekner says that the the place god calls you is where your deep passion meet the world's deep needs meets the world's deep need Nope, deep hunger. Oh boy. The place Ooh. God calls you is where your deep passion meets the world's deep hunger. And we need somebody to pull that out of us. We need somebody to pull out what is this passion and what's the thing that you see in this world? What's the, what's the hunger that you see? Because you see things, you see problems that I don't see in this world, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and if you can match them, this beautiful passion that you have to like make things work, to create experiences, to like it ultimately comes down to creating, but there is this artistic, pro creative problem solving that you can bring to, well, what's the problem that you see? And so what is that? What do you think that like when you look at the world, you're like, this is, this is the problem that I'm trying to solve now, that I'm passionate right about. Right now. Right now, it's people people stuck in jobs that hmm. they feel like they're defaulting yeah. in their careers and feel like, feel stuck. 
And I, I'm so passionate about people being able to bring them their whole selves to their work, mm-hmm. especially if that's what they want and finding a place that appreciates all, all the, all the things that you're passionate about that you bring. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't want people to, I want people to show up passionately and excitedly and, and questioning and like being able to be your whole self at work, especially in a creative field. Like mm-hmm. if you're worrying so much about what other people think and what you said and in the last meeting <laughs> that you had, it's, you're wasting that energy instead of putting it into your creativity or the problem solving or figuring out, you know, how to address things. And, and so much of our careers is about relationships with other people. Mm-hmm. And I think emphasizing how do you work with other people and how do you build those relationships is another aspect. Like work isn't really siloed anymore Yeah. and to one role, like we're all, many times we're all on teams that are working towards a larger goal. Yeah. And it's sharing those gifts all around so that I can help you with your project and you can help me with my project in this way with your gifts and your skill set. And so as the world changes, you're helping people to really bring their full self mm-hmm. to the organization, to their role, to the job, to create the best experience for other people possible. I mean, it's so beautiful. I just love it so much. You think uh, there's just so many metaphors coming to mind right now. Like just even thinking of coming to the art and thinking of the Louvre and, and you're standing in there, you see this piece of art that was painted centuries ago and it's there hanging on a wall to create an experience for you that changes your story beyond that. There's this radical contribution that we get to bring to the world that we don't know what the impact will be, but our only mission, our only call is to bring it forward. Yes. And you're helping people do that. Oh, I love Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is why we're friends. Yes. Because I I feel like I'm doing exactly the same thing in a totally different how of just helping you pull your story out and bring it forward, not knowing what the result will be, but trusting that the authenticity will be rewarded. And um, as you do that, we will respond. Yes. I mean, there's something so amazing about the the authenticity. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. What stuck out there? What jumped? Of just like, it is about... Cause it relating it to careers also of mm-hmm. like being your authentic self matters and just like in, in those relationships, yeah. relationships with other people, having that authenticity makes a, a big difference. If you're faking it till you make it, that's a totally different energy. That's a totally different. And it's a lot of energy. Yeah. A lot of the time. And I guess, you know, a lot of people are going through and just thinking that that there is just one place that they're supposed to fit in or one way that one title that they can have. And we just don't see that the 
the option is there for us to change the programming so that we could be called Big Daddy Boner if we want to. <laughs> Great callback. <laughs> ah, there we go. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. What fun. Well uh, done. <laughs> so if somebody is feeling like they they're just interested in you and who you are, or they are in this line of work. They are in a creative field. They're in a tech industry. They're specifically in user experience design and they feel stuck. They feel like they are living someone else's story or they are waiting. They're hoping for the time that they can show up and truly just share who they are fully and authentically. And they know because that's been your journey that you can also take them there in the same way. How are they going to connect with you? What's the best way to find you and start that conversation? The best way is through UX Hustle, which is right now we have our UX Hustle Summit, which is our two-day virtual conference, uh, September 24th and 25th, which is all about this. It's the only user experience career conference, at least that we know of. And our theme is future-proofing your career. Amazing. And so I think this is a really big piece of that. And so the Instagram for that is at the UX hustle. My personal Instagram is at Amanda M Worthington and you can get tickets at uxhustle.org. It's so good. I'm so excited for you and for that. And for, again, you just take that. You're like, this is the only place where this is happening. We're doing a tech conference, but my goodness, we're talking about people and yes, that's a joy. So and your career, because so many of us get stuck in that day-to-day, -day, mm -hmm. what I do day in and day out in perfecting that, mm -hmm. but zooming out and looking at what's the journey that I'm creating here and how do I do that more intentionally? Mm. Okay. I mean, we, again, we could just go into this. I'm sure that this will be another conversation, uh, that, that we'll do this again sometime and, um, I'm going to show up on your podcast as well. I think we're setting that yes, up. Yes, so you are. <laughs> we'll flip the tables here and see what shows up there. Amanda, this has been such a joy. It's a real privilege to talk to you and for you to share your story like this and all your insights on storytelling and the experiences that you've had. Thank you for uh, being an advocate that there does not need to be any boring stories out there and for continually telling, engaging, and exciting stories and leading people into one as well. You are truly unique and special and it's just so grateful for this time. Thank you so much, Alex. Thanks for having me. So good. Thanks for listening. This has been No Boring Stories. I am Alex Street and we are just getting started. I'd love to know what you thought of this conversation, so please feel free to reach out to me on my website, on Instagram, or in the Fearless Speakers Academy and share your thoughts. In the meantime, honor this conversation, go out in your life, and tell a better story today. We'll see you next time.